All right, so we're still in the uh, Wall Builders Sermon Series, still in the book of Nehemiah. And if you're gifted, find two places in the Bible. Find Nehemiah chapter 1 and then put your finger at, uh, let's see, 2 Corinthians, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Those will be the two places that we'll be reading a lot from this morning. But this Wall Builder series is out of the book of, of Nehemiah and Malachi. And what we see in Nehemiah and Malachi is what was happening in Jerusalem during a rebuild project. Is this thing just popping too much? Let me see if I can relocate it. Put it somewhere else. Little technical difficulties there. Sorry about that. So in this, in this series, what we've done so far is we've uncovered truths about building uh, walls in our life with the power of the Holy Spirit working God's plan. And we also identified three corporate actions that we are going to be taking at this particular time to make sure that we are actually building with God. You know, gone are the days of just, of just uh, proclaiming things out loud and then do nothing about it. Amen? So, no, we're going to proclaim truth and then we're going to do something about it. Amen? And so these are the three corporate actions that, uh, that we're talking about. The first corporate action is just something that we're praying into. We are believing God to help equip us and empower us to build a new facility. I'm excited about that because I'm telling you, facilitates facilitate ministry. I want to see th this place is going to be an equipping center. We're going to see people raised up and trained for God's purpose. We're going to have a beautiful facility to see our young people get married to, to, and to bless people as they go home to meet the Lord in funerals. We're going to, it's going to be a, a fantastic place to minister to others. Amen? Amen? And so right at this particular season, we're praying into that, but we're believing God to actually uh, knock down some walls, so to speak. Uh, so that we can build some new ones. Amen? Amen? Okay, so here's the second one. And we mentioned it again this morning uh, in, the, uh, in the announcements, but this, this Tuesday, September the 1st, we are beginning the Bible Project. And the Bible Project, what it will be about, it, we're going to, it's our goal to, as a church to read through the New Testament within a year. And so you can download that plan on your phone. The easiest way to do that, if you want to download it on your phone or one of your devices, is just go to our website and click on the top right-hand corner the word Bible Project, and it'll give you instructions. But if you are anti-technology, you, you don't really care for it too much, we do have a trifold back there at the back that'll keep you on track. The benefit, though, is, it, is that the the uh, the online version does have videos explaining some of the New Testament concepts because how many of you have ever read something and you go like, I don't know what I'm reading, okay? And so there's, there's some videos to help explain different things. I don't know what to do with this thing, dude.
Okay, there we go. All right. So the Bible project. And then the third, the third action that we talked about that we're going to do is our Wednesday night ministries. And our Wednesday night ministries, they have become intentional. There's still time for you to join in. If you're looking to be a part of a life group uh, or a youth group, there's still time to jump in. And uh, we're just being really intentional at this particular season of time, trying to build what God's building in our life. Amen? Amen. And so that's, those are the three corporate actions. And so there's still plenty of time to jump in. And so the title of today's message is Positioned for Fullness. Can I get a handheld? Would that be better? Are we good? Okay. Oh, it's electric now. (laughs) Position for fullness. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. And so it was... When I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask right now that our heart and our mind would be open to and ready to receive your word. God, I ask God right now to teach us the deep truth about what it means to be positioned and aligned with you to receive of your fullness, God. Father, I ask, Father, today, Lord, Lord, that with humble hearts that we would be in a receiving posture, Lord, to to understand and to know the depth of what it means to be a recipient of your fullness today, God. Lord, we just cast our cares to the sides. We cast distractions to the side. And we say, distractions, you got to go. And clarity of mind and heart come. So in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Not to get too political this morning, but how many of you saw the second night of the Republican National Convention and the opening prayer? Anybody see that? Just a handful of us, a handful of us. That prayer was given by the associate pastor Norma Orabanzo of the International Church of Las Vegas. Now, when she started praying, you know, some people pray, but then there's praying. You know, she, she declared the king. This is at the highest platform in the land. And she's declaring the kingdom of God come, heaven come to earth she prayed over President Trump and declared out of Isaiah 11 that, she, that he would be filled with the seven spirits of God. Dude, I'm going like, and I'm sitting there in my chair going, oh, it's happening. Oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, if you get a chance to watch even the first 30 minutes of just that second night, man, it was amazing. But and here's what I mean. Whenever I say that this is just such an amazing display of the kingdom of God, and I'm not trying to be all political, but I'm just telling you what I saw, okay? And here's what I mean, what an amazing display of the kingdom of God. A Hispanic woman who's a pastor opens up, she's an associate pastor, opens up with prayer at the highest platform in the land and declares, let your kingdom come, heaven come to earth, and starts decreeing healing into every home. And then right after that, after her prayer, 
a man start sharing his testimony about his personal encounter with Jesus and how he found mercy in the criminal justice system. And it was a beautiful picture of, of Jesus' desire to meet us right where we were at and then followed it by a strong pro-life message. And I, I've been saying this for a year, uh, a year and a half now, probably, that God is actually setting the stage for revival to come. And, that, and see, our vision is right there over that door frame right over there. Our vision is for revival. And that's not just a churchy word. That is actually something that he's doing in the earth. It's what he's doing. And we'll see, when heaven and earth align, in other words, they come into agreement, stuff starts happening. Amen? And she prayed a powerful prayer. So here's the big idea this morning. Prayer, fasting, and devotion positions us for fullness. And so this series has been about what, what God's building. And see, when we pray and align with heaven, it changes what we build, how we build, why we build, and in some cases, who we build with. See, without the perspective of heaven, without gaining insight from the Holy Spirit, what we set out to build may not be what He's building. Ever built something without God? Got scars to prove it? Psalm 127.1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. See, God is a builder, and the builder of all things is God, but unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. So what does it mean to labor in vain? What would it mean to build in vain? Well, the word vain and vanity means self-service, selfish service, and it comes from this Latin word, vanus, which means empty. See, whenever we set out to build without God, whatever we build will have the tendency to serve ourselves, and we will be building from our own emptiness. What we build, when we build without God, it will, it will service our ego, our neediness, our building will be about compensating for the inner emptiness we carry. I was reminded of this story about King Saul. Right before the, the, the kingdom of Israel was torn from him, Saul actually goes out and he builds a huge statue of himself. Well, that ought to have been a sign right there. And so, but when Samuel, and so he builds this huge statue of himself, the very first words out of Samuel's mouth when he comes to rebuke him was this, though you were small in your own eyes. And because Saul was so empty inside, and Scripture says that the Holy Spirit was taken from him, that the kingdom was taken from him, and so from that place of emptiness, well, he, he started making monuments to himself. 
That's the picture of compensating. And so as he's building this monument and the Lord says, though you were small in your own eyes, I gave you everything. You stopped building with me, Saul. You went another way, Saul. Saul departed from building with God and he started taking matters into his own hands. You see, when we don't build with God, what we build will have an aversion to serve self, to compensate for our emptiness. It's the nature of man. It's what we do. And see, you want to know how the fast track to build without God is prayerlessness. When we don't pray, when we don't seek Him in His Word, and we step out to build in life and step out to do things in life, that's building without Him. When we don't build according to His ways, though it may not ever be our intention, though we may have even the best of intentions, and that we tried our best, and we tried to do it right, and we tried to be a service, but like, but when we build without Him and not according to His ways, it'll be self-service. Even with the best of intentions. But you see, true fullness is only found in a lifelong, continual relationship with God. I build with Him. See, I will build with Him because I've been with Him. If you want to be, build with Him, then you need to be with Him. That's deep. And the way we are with Him is in prayer, is in devotion, is in the Word, is in fasting. And so prayer, fasting, and devotion positions us for fullness. And so now let's go back to Nehemiah. Nehemiah's journey began after he got a report that his city was burning. Much like today, right? And so uh, as he gets the report of his hometown, his city was burning, he goes into this place of fasting and prayer. So check this out. So it was, when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And so from that place of fasting and prayer, God does something in his heart. A transaction occurred. Now, Whatever took place in his heart, by chapter 2, he gets the courage to appear before the Persian king, King Artaxerxes. Now, in those days, one false move before King Artaxerxes, and it was off with his head, you know. So it was a dangerous thing to come before this king. And, and you see in there that he goes to him and he asks, hey, I, I need to be gone for about 12 to 16 years. Just wanted to know if that was okay. And I also want to know, will you give me all the money I need to get this done? And, uh, and I need all the resources and I need your help. Uh, can you do that? What in the world would inspire a person 
to put his life in jeopardy and then ask for all of the resources. I mean, we're talking probably, in today's economy, probably billions of dollars. The nerve of that guy. Are you kidding me? And so by the time he gets to Jerusalem, we see some evidence of a spiritual transaction in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12. So he's he's there at the city already. He's, 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 he's met up with some folks. And then this is what it says in verse 12. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. There it is. God put something in his heart. God put something in him to cause him to approach the king. See, where there was emptiness in his heart, now all of a sudden there's fullness. See, when we built with God, we must first acknowledge our own emptiness. And then he comes to envision us beyond our own capacity. Here's what I mean. Nehemiah goes to the Lord in fasting and prayer and God does something in his heart and he gets the courage to go before the most dangerous person in the land with all of the authority and says, hey, you know, I'll work for you, but I'm going to be gone for 12 to 16 years and I need about a half billion dollars to rebuild a city that, you know, you guys took over and destroyed and I want to rebuild it. And by the way, I need your help to get it done. Can you send some people with me? And by the way, when I get there, I'm probably going to be governor. It almost has the appearance of the king financing his own insurrection. Here's what's so profound. Nehemiah had nothing. Completely empty. He has no resource. He has no power. He has no authority. He has no ability. He has nothing. And from one conversation, he has all this authority and resource. He becomes practically a billionaire. You see, it's in that place of fasting and prayer, God put something in his heart He gained favor with God, which resulted in favor with man. See, God put favor, wisdom, creativity, courage, wisdom, blessing, strength, and a vision in his heart to build with God. Because of what God put in his heart, resources came. And not only did the resources come, but he was able to build a wall around the city in 52 days, which they couldn't do without decades worth of trying. See, in Nehemiah's fasting and prayer, he empties himself. He pours out his heart. And then he's filled 
with God's favor and fullness. You see, we have to actually acknowledge our emptiness. If you want to be positioned for fullness, the first step is you've got to acknowledge your own emptiness. Because if you don't acknowledge your emptiness, you know what you're going to do? You're going to build from emptiness. But God wants us to build from His fullness. Are you tracking with me this morning? He wants you to build from His fullness. And so what happens is, if we don't ever come to the place that we acknowledge the fact, you know what, God, I'm just selfish. You know what, God, I just tend to make everything about me. You know, God, I just kind of tend to make one of everything to kind of, I want my world to revolve around me. And we'll have that tendency. But as soon as we get honest with ourselves, and you know what, God, I don't want to do this anymore, because the natural disposition of man is selfishness. It is supernatural to not be selfish. And don't be elbowing your spouse, I'm just telling you. You heard that? That's the natural tendency. But when we acknowledge our selfishness, acknowledge our acknowledge the emptiness, be honest with God, then He can fill it. And we, when we are filled with His fullness, folks, better watch out. Are you with me? And so fasting and prayer is a willful act of humility. It's humbling of ourselves, being emptied of self to be filled with heaven's cause. But I don't think we always understand the intention of prayer. And so that's why I wanted to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 9. Because prayer is not just those few words we say before we eat. Okay? It, it's, it's more than just saying a blessing before we endeavor to do something. It's more. Amen? First Corinthians 2, starting with verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered the heart of entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's a powerful statement in and of itself. Verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so... No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Now this is an interesting phrase, and I want you to pay attention to it because I'm going to come back to it, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. You see, the reason why Christians are condemned so much in the media today is because to natural man, spiritual things are foolish. 
nor, so the natural man, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? And then it closes with this amazing promise. But we have the mind of Christ. You are a spiritual being. Just as real as your, you have flesh and blood, at the same time, you are a spiritual being. You are actually made for intimacy and connection with God. When you were born again and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, you were born for connection with God. You're actually designed for it. Then that phrase I was telling you about comparing spiritual with spiritual. The word comparing in the Greek is this word synchronos, which means to come into synchronization, similar to whenever a watch, get, when they say like in those spy movies, like synchronize your watches, you know. And so in the, in the same way that when, whenever we start talking about coming into synchronicity with the Holy Spirit, it's like the clock of our life gets synced up. We sync our watches together with the Holy Spirit. And prayer is to get in sync. Not, not the band, okay? But I mean, what I'm saying is prayer is to get us in sync with the Holy Spirit and synchronization with the Holy Spirit. See, what prayer and fasting and devotion does is it synchronizes your inner spirit, man, with the Holy Spirit so that you can keep time with the Holy Spirit. You see, what happens is, is when synchronization comes, it's like the pipe of heaven gets connected to the pipe of your life. It aligns. It, and so where, where the pipes were not previously connected to catch what the, the flow of heaven was, in prayer the pipes get connected. And then that flow of heaven, that resource of heaven starts flowing into your life. Does that make sense to you? As a Christian, we have to really get past being thrown off or offended by, by spiritual things. Because when you get offended by spiritual things, like something like praying in public, praying in front of people, you're acting like the natural man, like the unsaved. See, spiritual man has got to be ready to pray at a moment's notice. I know I just stepped on somebody's toes right there. We really got to get past being offended or squirming at spiritual things. And in that last statement Paul makes, he concludes with this phrase, for who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? That's the old covenant. Then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. That's the new covenant promise. And so before... 
In the old covenant, only a certain amount of people had the Holy Spirit, so there only a certain prophets or certain individuals were able to understand what the will of the Holy Spirit was. But now, in new covenant, because we are believers in Christ, because we all are recipients of the Holy Spirit, that you can walk, have the mind of Christ. So what is the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is a prayer-filled, Father-pleasing, presence-loving, people-loving mind. Now see, the mind of Christ was an absolute, was absolutely synchronized with the Spirit of God. The mind of Christ knew the will and purpose of God because he was all, his desire was to please the Father always. So here's the deal today. Because you have, because if Christ be in you, then the mind of Christ is your promise. And so the will of God for your life doesn't have to be a mystery. It can be as clear as the nose on your face. You can know the will of God for your life. How do we know the will of God? Through his word, through prayer, through intimacy, through connection, through worship. You can know God's will for your life. It does not have to be a mystery. You just got to get them pipes connected, get some good flow going. <laughs> Amen. You don't want that stuff backing up. So how did Jesus live in such fullness? You go, well, he was God. And I say, well, yes, that is correct. But he was also our example for life, wasn't he? What was his secret to fullness? Philippians 2 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Though being equal to God, he emptied himself. Sometimes the reason we can't be filled with heaven's purpose and God's will is because we're too full of self, full of worry, full of the cares of life, full of stuff. We just can be sometimes flat full of it. But what if we were to be honest with ourselves and told the Lord, you know what, God, I'm sorry, I'm just full of it. So in that process of honesty before the Lord, in that process of just going, God, I'm just so selfish in this arena. And then that repentance and in that confession, we start the process of actually I'm emptying up myself. I'm pouring out of myself. I'm getting rid of selfish attitudes. I'm getting rid of all of this. It's all about me kind of attitudes so that I can be filled with his fullness. The key to fullness is that we would be honest about the emptiness and empty ourselves. Empty out the emptiness so that we might be filled. You just think about what fills our time. How much our time is filled with social media. How much our thought life is filled with what's on the news. How much our life is filled with this and that. We're so filled with stuff, it's hard to be filled with him. See, getting empty looks a lot like just being honest with yourself. 
God, I repent. I'm sorry. Now fill me with your word, God. Jesus taught once on prayer and fasting. Or he actually taught multiple times, but he, this one particular time, he used this illustration of prayer and fasting with new wine and new wineskins. Y'all know what I'm talking about, some of you? New wine is a, basically a picture of what he wants to pour out from heaven, and wineskin is your spiritual capacity. Okay? Fasting, prayer, devotion is what keeps your spiritual capacity open and flexible and able to receive whatever it is that God wants to pour into your life. You see, without prayer and fasting, the wineskin of our spiritual capacity becomes what he also talked about, becomes an old wineskin. You become unpliable. And when you're unpliable, you become breakable. And what God wants to pour into your life, you can't hold. Remember that? The old wineskin doesn't flex with the new wine. It, otherwise it bursts and the wine is spilled on the ground. That was the parable that he taught. But fasting, prayer, and devotion keeps the wineskin of our spiritual capacity stretchy. And so we're beginning the Bible Project this Tuesday. And that's not meant to be an informational transaction with brownie points at the end. It's meant to be posturing your heart to receive the new wine of the new covenant to be poured into your life. That you get to read this word with the Holy Spirit at your side, giving you understanding. It's meant to be an infusion of the Spirit of God in the words of life. See, the Holy Spirit, as you read it, He wants to engage with you. As you open yourself up to the Word of God, you open yourself up to Him. I'm going to tell you, some of y'all are going to get addicted to it. You really are. And you're all, some of you are going to find out, oh my gosh, I'm hearing God speak to me. He's going to start speaking to me through this. You know, when that, well, you know what's going to happen for many of us is when the Holy Spirit starts to highlight some of those words and as you're reading it, what you're going to find is it's going to start healing your mind. You know why? Because confusion will leave. Anxiety will start to leave. Why? Because you're getting emptied of that and you're getting filled with his word. Man, what would it be to have peace of mind? Man. All the confusion, all of the worry just start to flee out of your life. Pray over those reading times. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to understand. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Just let me ask you a question. What would it be like to have an entire church jumping into the word and prayer and devotion? What would that be to have an entire church doing that? To actually embrace his teachings. I think honestly it would probably position all of us for encounter and encounters with God. I believe it would position us to hear him like crazy. 
I believe it will position us to fulfill the great commission on our life on, as a church. You see, a life of the word and prayer and fasting is not just to avoid all the bad stuff out there and not do naughty things. It's actually to discover the meaning of your life. To discover the meaning of life. Let me close with this passage. Psalm 24, verse 3. Who may ascend the hill? Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Doesn't that look like fullness? Verse 6, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. So who may draw near? People who deal with their actions and their heart motives. Deal with the idolatry of hearts and stop lying. They'll receive a blessing from the Lord. They'll come into fullness. And, and this is what what's interesting to me and they'll seek God like like Jacob who seek your face O God of Jacob it's a comparison that we would seek God the way Jacob did let me just tell you a little bit about Jacob Jacob's name meant thief he was a conniver a cheat he was a thief he he stole his brother's birthright and blessing. He took it from him. He contrived a plan. Got it and ran because his brother was big, bad, and hairy. Okay? Jacob was not. But he wanted his father's blessing. Jacob is an incredible example of someone trying to build a name for himself but was captive of his own emptiness. What was he after? His dad's approval. His father's blessing. The birthright. He wanted the privilege of and the adoration of a father. He wanted that blessing. But the only way he could get it was to deceive, lie, and cheat. So he got it and he ran. But for Jacob, years go by and he hides out at his uncle Laban's house. About 14 plus years go by. And finally he decides, I, I, need, to go, I need to go home. I need to return home. And so he's on, he's on his way home, and he gets word that his brother Esau is coming out to meet him. So strategically, he thinks, I'm going to send all of my relatives and family out in front of me. What a hero, right? You know, 
So go out there and meet him out in front of him. And he, and he leaves himself all by himself when he's at a river. And the river that he's at is the river Jabbok. The name, what the name Jabbok means is empty and alone. And so there he was at this river. He's empty and he's alone. And then God shows up. And he and God all night long are in a wrestling match. Until finally it comes to this point where Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. So the Lord touches him on the hip, pops his hip out of socket, goes down. And he says, no longer shall you be Jacob, but you shall be Israel. Israel means prince or royal son of God. The blessing that he had been searching for all of his life, all of the, his time of, of needing that blessing and seeking one in the Father's approval, wanting all of those things, that search, that hunt, that, that search for meaning and significance, he, ne- he never could get until he had an encounter with the Father. That desire for a Father's blessing finally was met in God. And from that encounter with the Lord, he leaves that place of emptiness. He receives the Father's blessing. Can I just tell you, there are some things that you may not ever get from your parents that you can only get in God. As quick as you can, release and bless your parents. And all of the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Because you are actually designed to get all that you would ever need from the Father. Jacob's life story is a story of, of, of search for meaning and significance. And he was building from his own emptiness. It led him to steal, led him to take advantage of Esau. Esau was foolish, right? But he was building from emptiness. And it was at that river where he has that encounter with God. that God meets the deepest needs of his heart. In your connection with the Father, in prayer, in fasting, and in the Word, those are not just moments that you do in order to gain a Father's approval. What you're actually doing in the Word and fasting and prayer is you're actually setting yourself up for an encounter with the Lord to have some of the deepest longings of your heart met by Him.
See, fasting and prayer are not empty acts. These are things that are meant to bring us to the table of our Father. To bring us before the one who fills the all in all. One word, one moment, and the presence of God, all alone in your room, can change your life. One moment. That's all he needs. But then as you build that economy, that lifestyle into your life, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have a word. And 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 you're going to have a word. Then you're going to have an encounter. You're going to meet him. And whenever you meet him, what's happening is all of that void and vacancy of that happens in your life gets filled with the presence of God. And before long, your whole life is on a solid foundation so that when storms come and problems happen, that you are not tossed by the wayside, that no, you're strong, and that you're able, and that you're able to withstand, because I'm telling you, storms come, right? But when you build your life upon the solid rock and His firm foundation, that you've opened your life up to prayer and to a meeting with God, and that you've been filling your life with His Word, you're going to be strong on the day of trial and the day of testing. I'm telling you, when the church worldwide went through the coronavirus pandemic, it thinned the herd in a hurry. Why? Some hadn't been building on the rock. This is not just information to be a good boy. This is information... This is word that will transform a life. Amen? Let's all stand.